Surprises and change are a constant in business. Anybody who's running a business before will know that it makes sense, it is wise for you to always expect surprises. Surprises will always show up. If it's not a change in the law, it is surprising how the market is reacting. COVID-19 was a surprise to many businesses. COVID-19 was a surprise. Rising oil prices, rising inflation, um, new trends on the internet that makes your consumers start to act weird. All these things are surprises. Some of these surprises, you can plan for them. Some of Many of these surprises, you cannot see them coming. You see, so change will always happen. Surprises will always happen. Anything that can go wrong may go wrong, right? So it's not enough to say, you know, it's not going to happen to me. No, you are living in a system. Your business is in a system, is in an economy, is in a market that is dynamic, that is always changing. So the only people who can adapt, only businesses that can adapt, those are the only kinds of businesses that can survive, right? So the ability to adapt to new situations and new conditions, it doesn't matter if it's an economic condition, it doesn't matter if it's a change in the law, a change in the political situation in government, it doesn't matter if it's a social trend, it doesn't matter if it's a technological trend, your ability to adapt is a superpower in business because the rules are very simple. It's either you adapt or you die. Every big thing starts small. It's a natural law. Every big multinational corporation was once a small business. Welcome to the Small Starter Business Podcast, a unique podcast for practical tips and advice to help you start, grow, or turn around your business. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. I am your host, John Paul Iwoha. Today's episode is about the amazing power of building redundancy in a business. And this is a particularly hot topic for very obvious reasons. Now, um, I'm going to talk a bit more about that word, redundancy. But before I go ahead, I want to highlight some, I want to highlight two pillars that are very important to the substance of this episode. And these are the two important powers a business should have. It doesn't matter what kind of business you have, where you have that business, the kinds of customers you serve, whether you sell products or services, it doesn't matter what kind of business you run. There are two very important powers your business should have, and you cannot take them, you cannot take these two powers for granted. The first is the power of flexibility, right? Every business deserves and needs to have options. You need to have options and you need to have the ability to use those options. And, you know, flexibility is important because it's not wise to depend too much on a single thing, on a single person, or a single resource in your business. Overdependence will hurt you. Overdependence, overdependence is bad for business because when that thing disappoints you, you are out and dry. It's a dangerous position for your business to be in. And, you know, you should never allow anyone or anything hold your business to ransom. That's not a good position to be in. You need to have options, and that's why flexibility is a survival skill for any business. If you cannot be flexible, you may not be able to survive because the market is always changing. 
The environment is always changing. Even your business is always changing. What your customers are asking for, their expectations, what your employees are asking for, what your suppliers are demanding for. The world is always changing. So you need to be dynamic. But it's impossible to be dynamic if you are not flexible. If you don't have options, you and you know, if you don't have options, then you're going to be outdated, you know, pretty soon. So the first power is a power of flexibility. The second power is a power of adaptability, right? And you see, adaptability is important because surprises and change are a constant in business. Anybody who's running a business before will know that it makes sense. It is wise for you to always expect surprises. Surprises will always show up. If it's not a change in the law, it is surprising how the market is reacting. COVID-19 was a surprise to many businesses. COVID-19 was a surprise. Rising oil prices, rising inflation, um, new trends on the internet that makes your consumers start to act weird. All these things are surprises. Some of these surprises, you can plan for them. Some of Many of these surprises, you cannot see them coming. You see, so change will always happen. Surprises will always happen. Anything that can go wrong may go wrong, right? So it's not enough to say, you know, it's not going to happen to me. No, you are living in a system. Your business is in a system, is in an economy, is in a market that is dynamic, that is always changing. So the only people who can adapt, only businesses that can adapt, those are the only kinds of businesses that can survive, right? So the ability to adapt to new situations and new conditions, it doesn't matter if it's an economic condition, it doesn't matter if it's a change in the law, a change in the political situation in government, it doesn't matter if it's a social trend, it doesn't matter if it's a technological trend, it's technological change, right? Your ability to adapt is a superpower in business because the rules are very simple. It's either you adapt or you die. Those are the only two options. It's either you adapt or you die. So these two powers I mentioned, the power of flexibility and the power of adaptability are very important. And if you don't have these powers, you're handicapped in business. And here, my friends, is where the concept of redundancy comes in. So redundancy is a strategy that helps your business stay flexible and adaptable at all times. So you can't just say my business is flexible. You can't just say my business is adaptable. What proves that you are flexible, what proves that you are adaptable is that you have redundancy built into your business. And in this episode, I'm going to explain exactly what I mean by redundancy and how they play out in different aspects of your business. So I'll do this by sharing with you six areas of a business that need redundancy. Like I mentioned earlier, earlier it doesn't matter what kind of business you run. Whether it's, a pro, whether it's a product-based business, a service-based business, whether you have employees or don't have employees, the kinds of customers you have, how much money you make in the business, all of all those things. It doesn't matter what kind of business you have. Redundancies have to be in these six areas I'm going to mention to you. Now, surprise, surprise, or no surprise at all, the first area of your business that needs redundancy is your customers, right? So, and what I mean is that, you know, depending on one major customer or one major source of income is dangerous for a business. So you have either one major customer, maybe you are serving governments, you are a government contractor. Your biggest customer is your government contracts. If anything happens, maybe 
a new a new political party comes into office or something changes, you could lose your business overnight. And that's because you were too dependent on one customer or one type of customer. Or maybe you just have one income stream. You have just one product. And the destiny of your business, the future of your business, the potential of your business is tied to that one product. That's a dangerous position to be in. Because if anything happens to that product, say, for example, a newer competitor comes to the market with a superior product, a better product, a product that does the job easier, faster, quicker, safer, more conveniently, all those things. What it means is that you're out of, you're out of business, right? So depending too much on one customer, on one type of customer, on one income stream, or one revenue stream is dangerous for a business. And this problem is particularly common for businesses that are in the B2B space. So B2B is business to business. So, you know, when you sell to consumers, you can have 100 customers. These are individuals, men, women, young people, old people. You know, when you have consumers, you have a large number. But sometimes when you're when you when you're a business that sells to other businesses, you may just have two customers or three customers or four customers. And you're making a lot of money, right? So if you're in the B2B space, you're listening to this podcast, you need to pay attention to this concern. You need to build in redundancies because if you lose a customer that contributes 80% of the revenues of your company, you are in deep trouble. You're too dependent on one customer. And what that means is that you're not flexible because you don't have a lot of options. Losing 80% of your revenue overnight is a precarious situation. You can't just replace that revenue overnight. So this is something you have to consciously think about. And the, uh, the other interesting thing, which I mentioned in the previous episode, is that a single customer reduces your bargaining power and reduces your options. So when something reduces your options, it's not a good thing because the lesser options you have, the more inflexible you're, you're going to be. And if a business is not flexible, you already know it's dangerous because flexibility is one of the two core pillars of the superpowers that a business should have. You have to be flexible. You, you need to be adaptable. But when you just have one major customer or one major revenue stream, you are too dependent on that. And then if anything happens to it, you're going to be in trouble. So the way out of this is to diversify your customer base. You diversify your customer base in terms of order size, in terms of the products that they buy, in terms of their location, in terms of their frequency. So one, one interesting example is you look at the subscription model that many companies have moved to. Let me use the software companies, for example, Microsoft. You know, growing up, when I started using computers, if you wanted to install a Microsoft product, you had to go buy the product as a compact disc, as a CD, and then install it on your laptop. That's how you buy Microsoft Word or Microsoft Excel or Microsoft PowerPoint, you buy the products and then you install it on your system. These days, it's not possible anymore, or more or less, that's not the most popular way to buy products on to buy products from Microsoft. These days, is a subscription. Your Microsoft Office subscription is a yearly annual subscription. You you don't buy a product and use it for life. You just buy a subscription for one year, and when the year is over, you can renew. Now, what that does is that. It draws you into a relationship with Microsoft. It draws you into a relationship with the company. 
Because it's no longer a one-off transaction where you buy a product and it's gone. No. You now have to keep buying because it's now a recurring transaction. And what that means is that they can rely on you to come back next year and buy from them. And not just hope that you will come back. They know you are likely going to come back because your subscription has expired. You see? Um, the, the other interesting um, one I mentioned is in terms of location. So these days we live in a global village. And there are some businesses that will benefit from selling to customers in other locations, in other countries, because the internet now allows you to do cross-border trade, cross-border transactions, and to build relationships that were not previously possible when we, le- when we were limited to the physical world. Now that we have the internet, you can go beyond your physical limits and reach out to customers in other locations as a way of diversifying your customer base. So what this does is that if there is something wrong in your country, your primary location, maybe there is a recession, maybe there's a political upheaval, maybe there is some destabilizing event or factor, your business doesn't just go down the drain because you have international clients, right? So it's very important to consider redundancy in how your business makes money. And most of, your, most of the money your business makes comes from customers. So you need to take a second look at how your business makes money. What is there any customer or is there any revenue stream that is that your company or your business is overly dependent on? That could be a problem. You need to start thinking of your flexibility and your ability to adapt if something goes wrong. Remember what I said. If one customer is responsible for 80% of your revenues and something happens to that customer overnight, 80% of revenues is not easily replaceable, at least in ordinary times. It's going to be a big hit. And imagine the consequences of this hit. You might lose employees. You might even lose your, your competitive position in the market. You know, so it's something you have to pay close attention to. So the first area of your business that needs redundancy is your customer base, your revenues. The second area of a business that needs redundancy is in your key assets. And what I mean by key assets is, you know, your key assets are those things that can disrupt your business if they break down or go missing. So just think about it. Is there something? Now, this is not a person, right? This is something, very likely a piece of equipment, machinery. It could be utilities, your water supply, internet supply, um, um, electricity supply. You know, it could be an online asset like your email list, or it could be some tools. Are there things in your business? And the reason I'm asking is, you could be listening to this episode and you're in the manufacturing business. If you're in a manufacturing business, it's likely your bottlenecks will be your equipment. If your equipment breaks down, you cannot produce. So your equipment is a key asset. If you are into agribusiness, you produce, right? And you don't have access to your farmland or you don't have access to your tools or you cannot use your tractor or whatever, your business, is, your business grinds to a halt, right? So these are key assets. Now, the thing is, like I mentioned, you need flexibility, you need adaptability. If something happens to your equipment and you're not able to produce, what happens? So, for example, the equipment breaks down because a critical part of the equipment has failed. A critical part of the equipment has broken down. What do you do? How do you handle it? Now, there are essentially two ways to build redundancy when it comes to key assets. 
right? In fact, I, I, would, I would wager that there are three of them. But let me talk about the first two. The first is spares, you know, having spares of your key assets. So I have a client who runs retail outlets and one key asset in the kind of business that he runs is power. So he needs to have a backup generator. Now he's operating this business in a country where the electricity supply from the utilities is unreliable. So he cannot rely on the power supply that's coming from the, from the grid. So what does he do? He has backup power generators. But guess what? These power generators are mechanical equipment. They have oil in them. They have diesel in them. They have many moving parts. In essence, what I'm trying to tell you is that they are vulnerable to breakdowns. So imagine a situation where you cannot rely on the electricity supply that is coming from the grid, and then you have one backup power generator. And guess what? You're using that generator most of the time because there's usually not electricity coming from the grid. Now, what that means is that that backup generator is vulnerable to breakdowns. So when it breaks down, what do you do? So what my friend does is he has two backup generators per location. It's a higher cost for doing business, but what he does is that has made him more flexible in his business because he has a backup to a backup, right? You see how it works now. So those are the two main ways to build redundancy, especially in a physical business that depends on key assets. You have spares, spare parts or spares of the equipment or the tool, and you have backups. And depending on your location or your situation, it may be helpful to have a backup of a backup. Because guess what? The more options you have, the more flexible you are. The more flexible you are, the more adaptable you are. So what that means is it doesn't really matter what life throws at you. Of course, there can be those very unlucky times, which are rare, where your backup fails and the backup to the backup also fails. But those are very rare. It's more likely your backup will fail, you know, but that you have those two of them failing. So essentially what I'm saying is, if you have key assets in your business that your business needs to run, your strategy cannot be hope. You know, like nothing is going to happen. You need to have a plan B. And that plan B could be spares so that if something breaks down, you have spares that you can use to replace the main one. Or you can have a backup that totally takes over when the main one goes down. So that's how you build redundancy in your business. And this is particularly speaking to people who have businesses that rely on key assets. And these key assets mean that if they break down, if these assets break down or they stop working, your entire business grinds to a halt. You cannot afford not to have redundancy built into such situations. Now, the third kind of, the third area of a business that requires redundancy, and you need to pay attention to this, is in your human talent, your human resources. In other words, your employees, the people who work with you and for you, the people who work in your business, right? Now, employees are interesting, they are very important, and they are a critical asset in your business. But the reason why you need to pay particular attention to redundancy when it comes to your human talent is that human beings are peculiar. Human beings can be unpredictable. Human beings can get sick. Human beings can lie. Human beings can quit on you. 
Human beings can resign. They can find another job somewhere that pays them better. And they are not obligated to stick with you. They can resign. It's a free world, right? Human beings can disappoint you. They can tell you something and do something else. Human beings too can be unreasonable sometimes. So when you have an asset, you have human assets working in your business, and they can be all these things. They can be unpredictable. They can be sick. They can quit on you. They can show up the next morning and tell you, I found another job and I'm resigning. You have to build in redundancies because what it means is that surprises can come up, particularly from your employees. Disruptions can come up, particularly from your employees. So you need to make sure you have redundancies for your key positions, particularly for your key positions. So what I mean by redundancies for your key positions is that no single employee should know something or be able to do something that at least another employee cannot do. So what that situation creates is you end up having a secret cow in your business, an employee who can hold you to ransom because he's the only one who has the login details. He's the only person who knows how to service that customer. He's the only person who understands the process from A to B. Oh, he's the only person who can operate that machine, that equipment. You do not want a secret cow in your business because that secret cow is a human being. And what happens if tomorrow that person disappoints you? You can't, it's not even a healthy relationship for you because you're holding the short end of the stick. You don't have any reasonable bargaining power in that relationship. So no single employee should know something or be able to do something that at least another employee cannot do. You need to make it deliberate. And sometimes these employees will, will fight back. Some employees want to be secret cows. They would insist. They will not cooperate with the other person who is working with them, they will ensure that they are the only ones who have the knowledge or are able to do that thing. Your job as the owner of the business, as the key manager, as the CEO, as the managing director, is to make sure that you protect your business by building in redundancies, by making sure that no one person knows something or can do something that at least another person cannot do. So that if that person falls sick, or they, they have to travel because their mom is sick or their dad is sick or they are on a honeymoon, they just got married, you know, or they decide to resign. You are not, you don't put your business in trouble because that person who, that person who is the only person who can do this thing is no longer in the business and you're left stranded. You don't want that, that, that sort of thing. So some simple ways you can do this is, you know, by pairing up your, the positions. So for every position, there should be a pair or a backup. You know, there's a way you can do this where it's not as if you're hiring two people for the same position, but you have somebody, you have another person, but then they both know aspects of each other's jobs. So they are like backups to each other. So that if this person who is in sales is not available, you know, the person in customer service can double because they know something about sales. They might not know it 100%, but in that kind of situation, even 60% or 70% of the ability of the person who is unavailable is useful to you. So you can pair up positions. You can make them backup positions. You can overlap responsibilities. So instead of having people work in silos where you, you handle accounts, you, you handle marketing, you can overlap the positions where you can put them in teams where you're expected to know at least what's going on in your team so that no one person monopolizes knowledge or monopolizes ability to do work. The other option you have is you can make, you can make your business 
dependent on a system. So instead of one person knowing a lot of things or people walking around in your business with your proprietary knowledge and your trade secrets in their heads, it can be dependent on a system where people are, people have to document what they are doing. People have to follow a laid down procedure or process. And what a laid down process does for you is that an employee can leave, but they can't leave with your process. Your process remains. And the benefit of a process is that if one person leaves or resigns or falls sick or doesn't show up to work, anybody who replaces them can see the process and follow the process and they will get the same results. So what that means is that your business is no longer dependent on any secret cow or any one person. Your business is dependent on itself because you have the systems that can guide people to do their work. They are not just dependent on what they know or the knowledge they have in their head or their experience. So pay particular attention to your human talent. The human beings who work in your business are a very important asset. People who work with you, people who work for you, people who work in your business. But again, human beings come with their own flaws. You can't read their minds, they're unpredictable, and all those things that I said. If you, if you don't build in redundancy, you will make yourself exposed and vulnerable to surprises. Because employees can throw strange curveballs and surprises your way. So you need to work against, you need to protect your business and avoid these things before they happen by building in some of the redundancies that I mentioned. The fourth area of your business that needs redundancy is with your suppliers. Now, every business, more, or sorry, most businesses have suppliers. You may have suppliers who supply you with raw materials. Some suppliers supply you with the finished products that you sell. Some suppliers supply you with services. Some suppliers supply you with products, right? Things you use in your business are dependent on suppliers, right? Now, the danger when it comes to suppliers is depending on one single supplier or very few suppliers, especially for your major goods and services. So if you're a manufacturing company, your raw materials are a major supply because without your raw materials, you cannot produce what you sell, right? So if your business is dependent on major goods and services, it is dangerous and risky to rely too much on any single supplier, right? And this is because when you rely too much on one supplier, it significantly reduces your bargaining power, especially when it comes to lowering costs. Because with your supplier, your goal is to make sure that you can get the goods and services at a cost that is low enough that allows your business to make a profit. But when you are dependent too much on a single supplier, they hold the power. They can tell you this is the price we're supplying at. And it's a take it or leave it. And because you don't have options, you are not flexible. And because you're not flexible, you have to pay more for something that you could have gotten for cheaper if you had options. That's why options are important. So because you don't have options, you end up paying more. So the way to make sure that this doesn't happen is to try to have at least two or three options for your major supplies. This strategy will improve your flexibility because you now have options. You can be flexible. You can shop around because you have options. It increases your adaptability so that if something happens to one of your major suppliers, you don't run into trouble. You can easily adapt because you have another option. And then it also improves your bargaining power. When you have two or three suppliers, 
you can play them off each other and say, you know, I'm, all of you have similar products. The quality is very similar. The only problem I'm having is price. So this guy is offering me $100 per kilogram. If you're willing to offer me 97 or 95, I'll go with you. Now, this is a negotiating strategy that you couldn't use if you were only dependent on one supplier. But because you now have more suppliers, you would be able to bargain and get a good deal, get concessions for your business because you have options. So that's it. Very important suppliers. The fifth area of your business that needs redundancy is your distribution. And just to be clear, your distribution is how you get your products or services to your consumers, to your customers, the people who end up using your products and services. So for some businesses, the distribution is direct. Your customers come directly to you or you go directly to them. There's no middleman. In several other kinds of businesses, there are middlemen. You have to sell to wholesalers. Wholesalers will sell to retailers. And then retailers will sell to the end user, the end customer. Or sometimes you have agents and then it's the agents that sell the products to your consumer. So it depends on what business you're involved in and it depends on your industry. But my, what, I'm, what I'm harping on here is that you should not depend too much on a single distribution channel for your products and services because it is dangerous and risky. Just look at what happened during the COVID-19 pandemic. If your distribution channel was such that your customers had to come to you, they had to come to your shop, to your office to buy, because of the lockdowns, you were out of business. You're wholly dependent on one distribution channel. But what if you had already built capabilities in ordering by telephone where people can call and order or people can chat you up on WhatsApp. You can send them pictures and then they can make their order and then you deliver. Or you actually have a website. You, have, you are involved in e-commerce where your customers can actually buy directly from your site. So you have a multi-channel distribution such that if one shuts down, for example, because of COVID, where there's a restriction on physical movement, you still have other channels that can work for you. So depending too much on a sole distributor or a single distribution channel, like I said, is dangerous on several dimensions. It can affect your pricing. If you're depending on one major distribution, like maybe you're depending on one major supermarket that is your outlet for your products and for your products, right? The supermarket can tell you this is, this is the cut that we want. We want 30%, we want 40%. To your business, it's too high. But guess what? Because you don't have options, you are not flexible. And because you're not flexible, you have to end up paying more than you ordinarily should have. But, you know, if you had options, you can, actually, you can actually fight back. You can say, you know, but I have four other supermarkets that we're doing business with. And none of them is charging us more than 20%. Why are you charging us 40? You see what's happening now. You're bargaining. And you're bargaining because you have that power. And you got that power from your options. Right? So you're able to bargain. So the person, the, 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 the distribution um, channel, the supermarket can say, you know, okay, if other people are charging you 20%, I think we'll go, we'll just do the same. Guess what? You have won the negotiation. Or the supermarket can say, you know, that's our policy. We can't take anything less than 40%. Guess what? You can dump them. And you can afford to dump them because you have options. 
and you have op- because you have options, you are flexible. You are able to adapt to that surprise, to that situation. So that's why these things are very important. So in your distribution chain, try your best to make sure you have at, at least two or three options. This will increase your flexibility, increases your adaptability, and it gives you more bargaining power. So the sixth area of business that will benefit a lot from redundancy is funding. And by funding, I mean how you raise capital to either start your business, to grow your business, expand your business. Funding is important. And it's important because it's it's often too risky to rely too much on a single source of funding for your business. They can disappoint you. Maybe your business is going to run out of money in three months' time. So you're working on this investor, you're working on this bank, and they have promised that they will give you the money you're asking for. It's just that they need to go through some processes and all that. And you're running out of time. And then you, you just have three months to go. And then just two weeks before you run out of money, they call and tell you that there's because of the sudden changes in the um, monetary policy rates, some blah, blah, blah. Bottom line, they cannot give you the money you asked for. You just have two weeks to go. Guess what? You're stranded. Why are you stranded? Because you don't have options. You don't have options, so you're not flexible. And right now, you've been hit by a surprise. You cannot adapt to it because you do not have options. So that's why it can be dangerous to limit yourself to just one source of funding. Like what I tell my clients, if the money is not in your bank account, you are not safe and dry. The bank can make you promises. The investor can make you promises. You cannot rely on any of those things until the money hits your account. So until you get the money in your account, you need to keep exploring and creating more options for yourself. Very, very important. And in the situations where the investor comes through and tells you two weeks to go before you run out of money, you know, your loan has been approved. We're going to give you this loan. But guess what? We're going to give it to you at 25% interest rates. You're going to pay this thing back in 18 months. And they give you all sorts of difficult terms. They're not saying they won't give you the money. They're going to give you the money, but they're going to tie you in with all these terms. If you are depending only on one single source of funding, guess what? You're going to take a loan or take money that may end up crashing your business because of the kind of terms that they've given you. And the only reason you are accepting that loan, despite those terrible conditions, is because you are desperate. Your business is about to run out of money. You don't have any other options. And because you don't have any other options, you've lost the power of flexibility. You've been thrown a curveball. You cannot adapt. So you end up swallowing poison, which is bad money. They are giving you money, but at terrible terms. High interest rates. We don't even know if your business can be able to pay back that money. Essentially, it's your business, it's the equivalent of your business taking some hemlock poison, right? So it's important that you develop options for your business because options give you flexibility. When you're flexible, you can adapt. And then they also give you bargaining power because when you have two or three banks you're talking to or two or three investors, what you, you can tell one investor, you know, you're offering us $100,000 for 25% of our business. We think that is quite high because we have another investor that is willing to offer us the same amount of money but for half the equity you're asking for. And guess what you're doing? You are negotiating and it is allowed. Investors love it. You have to negotiate. 
Because when you make the investors compete, you end up getting the same amount of money you're asking for at a fairer rate for lower equity in return. But when you don't have options, you have to, you have to take what you're offered. You have to take what is on the table. And that is not a good place to be when you are running a business, especially when you're starting to get desperate. So at this point in the episode, let's recap. I started this episode by talking to you about the two important superpowers that any business can have. The first is the power of flexibility. The second is the power of adaptability. And then I talked about redundancy. The redundancy is a strategy for introducing things in your business that make you more flexible and more adaptable. And I talked about six specific areas of your business where you need to build redundancy. I talked about your customers relying too much on one single customer or a single uh, revenue stream. I talked about why that is dangerous and why it's risky and what you can do about it. And then I talked about your key assets. Your key assets are things that if they break down or they don't work, they can significantly disrupt your business. If you're in a physical business, if you're in a manufacturing business, for example, your equipment and machinery falls into this category of a key asset. So if they break down, you cannot, you're no longer in business because you cannot produce what you sell. And then I talked about how to handle such situations and building redundancy. I talked about employees. I talked about the value of human talent, why the people who work for you are very important. But I also talked about the risk of human talent. Human beings can be unpredictable. They can spring surprises. So you need to build in redundancies in your human talent so that no single person is holding your business to ransom. And then I talked about suppliers. Anybody who supplies or any business that supplies your business with the major goods and services that you need to remain in business, you cannot afford to just depend on one single supplier. You need to have options so that you can stay flexible and adaptable. And then I talked about your distribution channel. You cannot depend too much on one distribution channel. What if something happens to that distribution channel? And I gave you the example of COVID. Most people didn't see COVID coming. Even if we saw COVID coming, we've never seen anything like it in our generation, where you shut down businesses and lock down, restrict physical movements and stuff like that. So if your business is wholly dependent on physical distribution or your customers have to come to your office or something, it would have been difficult for you to uh, keep on running in such times. And then I talked about funding too. That's another area where you need to build in redundancies, especially if your business is in the startup stage or your business has run into financial difficulty. If you know you're going to run out of money in the next six months or in the next three months, yes, it's, in, it's, in, it's important that you're having conversations with potential with, the, with your bank. But while you're working on those conversations, try to expand your options because options give you power. And that power comes from the flexibility that you have. And flexibility gives you the ability to adapt to surprises that may come your way or to difficult situations or to difficult uh, conditions that you may be given. So... At this point in the episode, let's talk about our partner, Queza. Queza, K-U-U-E-Z-A, is doing interesting things for merchants on the African continent. If you sell products and you're looking for ways to diversify your customer base, and this quite relates to what I talked about in this episode. If you are in some city, some town, some village, and most of your customers are concentrated in your location, Queza gives you the opportunity, opens the doors for diversification, you can start to sell to customers 
outside of Africa in markets like the US, in Europe, and even other African countries. So what that does is it reduces your dependency on the customers within your location. The other thing it does for you is that you can be you you should be able to charge more. If you are selling to customers in foreign markets, what it means is that your products will be sold to those people in dollars or in euros or in pounds. You know, it gives you an advantage in terms of your pricing because you can charge more. So that's interesting thing that Quesa does. Quesa allows you to expand your customer base by accessing markets and geographies that were previously unavailable to you. So if you're a seller, you sell a product that you think has potential on the international market, go to your app store, your play store, download the Quesa seller app. It is K-U-U-E-Z-A, Quesa seller app. And then, you know, the process, more or less, they walk you through the process and you can start selling to customers outside, um, or outside your current uh, market. There's also an app for the users. So there's a Quesa user app. So if you want to explore the kinds of products that are available on Quesa, you can use the Quesa seller, the Quesa user app, Quesa user app. It's also available on the App Store and the Play Store. And then you check it out. So there are four things I need to consider at this point in the episode. The first is to join the Insiders program. The Insiders program is a community of entrepreneurs who are building different kinds of businesses. And they are uh, these are people who are building businesses in several different countries within and outside the African continent. And redundancy is something I would say is quite common when um, the entrepreneurs who are insiders have issues with their business. So, for example, the episode, the, the, the conversation that inspired this episode you're listening to came from one of our insiders. So the business has representatives in several African countries. And guess what? All of a sudden, the representative in, in Kenya went offline. I think the guy was having physical issues, was having family issues or something like that. But the guy was no longer available to service the business. So you had customers that needed to be serviced, customers who needed attention. But that representative was not available due to no fault really of his own. So when I was going through this conversation with the insider, it was very clear that he didn't build in a redundancy within the representative system. So what if he had two uh, representatives instead of one person, right? That's one option. The second option is, what if he had a self-service option? So uh, customers have two options. You can work with an agent who will put you through, or you can go online and do it yourself. So doing it yourself would have been another option for redundancy. Hiring a second representative who would act as a backup would have been another. So these are the kinds of conversations we have when it comes to business strategy in the insiders community. We talk about these difficulties, we talk about the solutions, and then we're looking for ways that you can enhance your business and make your, your business less vulnerable to some of these problems that we've talked about in this episode. So if you're serious about growing your business or you're about to start a business or you've already started a business, joining the insiders community, I would reckon, is a very reasonable next step for you. Because besides having the opportunity to work directly with me, you also have access to a community of very ambitious entrepreneurs who are building interesting stuff. So there's a lot you can learn from their experience. There's opportunities for networking, for partnership. You never know what you can find in there. Whether it's an opportunity for funding, opportunity for distribution, finding better suppliers, access to more customers. It's an amazing place to be 
if you are ready to move into the next step of growing your business and making it belonging to a team rather than trying to do everything on your own, right? Uh, rather than walking on that journey alone, you can actually belong to a community of people who are rowing in a forward direction. Now, the second thing, um, of course, to join the insiders, you, you head over to smallstarter.com slash insiders. Again, it is smallstarter.com slash insiders. And there you will learn everything you need to know about joining the insiders community. And I look forward to welcoming you as our newest member. The second thing I want you to consider is to tell your friends about this podcast. You are getting high quality, experiential information because all these things we're talking about coming from real experience. It's not theory, right? You're getting all these things for free. And all I'm saying is share the love, extend the love, tell somebody about it. Tweet about the Small Starter Business Podcast. Talk about it on Facebook. Share it in your WhatsApp groups. You know, somebody is going to thank you because the volume of information we have in our previous episodes is amazing. We have episodes on sales, how to raise money, how to find the right people, branding, how to find a good name for your company, um, mistakes to avoid, interesting interviews you can learn from, negotiation, all sorts of business development, networking, all we've covered a wide range of topics. And this is the kind of thing you should share because it will, it will enrich the life of whoever you know, stumbles on it. So tell people about the Small Starter Business Podcast. Let them Google us. We're number one on Google, the Small Starter Business Podcast. And then they can listen to our previous episodes. The third thing I want you to consider is to leave us a five-star review. So a five-star review is a way to say thank you. Uh, give us a pat on the back. It's not just good for my ego. It's also good for our rankings on the algorithms, right? It makes it easier for other people to find the Small Starter Business Podcast. So to leave us a review, you can do that at smallstarter.com slash review. And then it's going to suggest a couple of um, uh, platforms where you can leave your, your, your review, your five-star review. And then um, the fourth thing I want to talk about is to f- follow my work on social media. So it's not just a podcast. I'm active on LinkedIn. I have almost a million followers on LinkedIn, so I must be doing something right. I share things on a daily basis, and most times when I have something quality to share. So these things usually have a lot of likes and stuff like that. So search for me, John Paul Iwoha, John Paul Iwoha. My surname is I-W-U-O-H-A, and let's connect on, on LinkedIn. And um, also where we have a community on Facebook. It's called the Small Starter Business Club. You should search for it on Facebook, the Small Starter Business Club. And then I also share interesting stuff, um, opp- new opportunities. It could be about funding. It could be very useful, valuable advice on, on sales, marketing, startup strategy, building systems in your business, hiring fantastic people, amazing stuff. So check us out on Facebook. Search for the Small Starter Business Podcast. Also follow me on LinkedIn. I'm there as John Paul Iwoha. So until my very next episode, I want to encourage you not to be afraid of surprises, but to plan for them. And the way to plan for them is to build in redundancies because some of these things, you don't know when they are going to happen or if they are going to happen. But I'm sure you want to be happy that if they happen and when they happen, there was something in place to protect your business from the adverse effect of that thing that happened. And the goal is to always stay flexible, to have options. When you have options, you can make decisions that benefit you. When you have options, you can be adaptable because what it means is that if the situation changes, if the market changes, if the economy changes, 
if the government changes, if anything changes, you can adapt because you're flexible, right? So until the very next episode, stay safe, stay positive. I look forward to sharing another amazing topic with you in the very next episode. Take care of yourself. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. To take our free business courses or join one of our signature programs for special entrepreneurs like you, head over to smallstarter.com to join our private community. See you inside.